Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. The more we know Jesus, the better off we will be. And to know Him requires studying the Old Testament. In today's program, we're going to get a more penetrating look of the Lord as we continue in Zechariah. Our series is entitled, The Coming King. Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, which is part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're taking a very probing look at Zechariah, because Zechariah tells us so much about the first and second comings of our Lord Jesus. In our program today, we are looking at this amazing topic of the smitten shepherd. Not just the shepherd is smitten, but also there is fire as well. Yes, it's a bit of a challenging one, but it is an insightful one because when Jesus was betrayed at the Garden of Gethsemane, Zechariah chapter 13 was fulfilled. And while it was a painful thing, it was also a necessary incident because, of course, it brought to us eternal salvation. And friend, make no mistake about it. The salvation that Jesus Christ procures for us is a great salvation, greater than anything that this world can offer, because it's a salvation from not only the things of this world, but of judgment in the world to come, a very well-deserved one, I might add. In this particular segment, we're going to focus on chapter 13, verses 6 to 9, where the shepherd is smitten and there is also fire. How can we understand this more? Well, first of all, there is this verse about the wounds in my hand I had achieved or received in the house of my friends. I want to read to you verse 7 of Zechariah 13, a verse that was fulfilled in the gospel narrative. Zechariah 13.7 simply reads, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. Now, is this not exactly what happened when Jesus went to Gethsemane? Please understand, the Garden of Gethsemane is a very real place, and it has profound meaning, because the name Gethsemane comes from two Hebrew words, gath, shemen. Gath means press, shemen means oil. So the Garden of Gethsemane, just outside the walls of Jerusalem, in the valley we know as Jehoshaphat, this is the oil press. Of course, there were nice olive trees there. And what do you do with the olives? Well, you harvest them and then you press them. I understand that only 20% of the olive is good for oil. The rest is water and, you know, other other things. But of that 20%, 
It is like a gift of life. But for that oil to come, there must be a pressing of the olive. Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, when he went to Gethsemane, he was pressed beyond measure. This was the beginning of his passion, which culminated in his crucifixion, burial, and praise God, his resurrection. The fact is at Gethsemane, he felt the weight of the sins of the world coming upon him. And of course, he prayed that masterful prayer, Father, if you will, you can take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus didn't doubt his heavenly father's ability to take the cup, but he also submitted himself to a faithful God, a faithful creator. So by pressing Jesus at Gethsemane, the anointing that came out like the oil of the olive was, of course, given to all who believe. That's why the smitten shepherd means anointing, empowerment, enablement, and equipping for all of us who follow Jesus. Now we're going to look at the entire passage from Zechariah 13, verses 6 to 9. It is a very remarkable series of verses. So let's listen carefully. Zechariah 13, verses 6 to 9. And one said unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass, that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call upon my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people. And they shall say, The Lord is my God. This is Zechariah chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. Now this first verse is what could possibly be called a double entendre. I know that sounds like a posh word, but basically it means that there are two meanings. One is the obvious meaning, and one is the other meaning which needs explanation. However, in this case, when you read this verse, and I'm going to read it again for you, the obvious meaning may not be so obvious, and the less obvious meaning may be very obvious. So, let me read it to you. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Now, for the longest time, I assumed this verse was Jesus speaking about his wounded hands at the crucifixion. However, two respected conservative Bible commentators have said that these wounds are actually in the hands not of the shepherd, but are of the false prophet. The false prophets, of course, remember, in order to understand the true meaning of Bible verses, you need to always look at the verses around that verse, the context, in other words. And the previous verses, which we learned in the last lesson, had to do with false prophets. Because once God starts to work with the fountain of cleansing opened in Jerusalem, people who were false prophets are going to either retire from their false prophetic ministries, or they're going to keep going and be smitten even by their own parents for telling lies and deception 
in the name of the Lord. I mean, it's strong stuff, I understand, but just remember what Jerusalem had gone through. And remember also that not everything is net to be chronological. There's reasons for that, and we trust God for all those reasons. So the conservative commentators tell us that the false prophets were injured in their hands because of their idolatrous practices. One of those commentators is Lawrence Richards, and he writes the Bible reader's companion. Here are his words. These are false prophets here who try to explain away self-inflicted wounds intended to attract the attention of pagan gods who love the smell of blood. Of course, an example of that is in 1 Kings 18, 25-29, when the prophets of Baal are trying to get Baal's attention in their great contest with the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. So their explanation, these false prophets, that these wounds in my hand are just an accident while I was wrestling for fun at a friend's house. Again, these are the comments from Lawrence Richards in the Bible Reader's Companion. This verse could be referring to them. They got wounds in the house of their friends because they were idolatrous, false prognosticators. But there is perhaps a double meaning here with the fact is that this verse is a transition between the fountain that cleanses in Jerusalem, the cleansing of false prophets from the land, and then it reverts to the smitten shepherd, which is something that happens before some of these other events. The smitten shepherd, of course, is King Messiah. Because one of the most poignant questions in the Bible has to do with why do you have these wounds in your hand. Now, we already saw here in Zechariah that Messiah was pierced. We see that in Zechariah 12, verse 10. Yet the issue goes even deeper because he's talking about the wounds in his hands, an amazingly detailed allusion to the crucifixion. And the response is equally amazing. These wounds I received in the house of my friends. Isn't that what Jesus called Judas? Friend, at the very time he was betraying him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And also, the psalmist writes about being forsaken by his own familiar friends who lifted up the heel against him. So, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, in essence, he's telling us to treat them as friends. So, again, this verse Zechariah 13, verse 6, I think has a double meaning, because ahead of that verse is the false prophets being cleansed out of Jerusalem, having wounds because of their idolatrous practices, and the other meaning has to do with the verses after talking about Messiah King, the shepherd, being smitten. And this, as we're going to see, has a very potent fulfillment. So let's go right on to Zechariah 13, verse 7, the smitten shepherd. And by the way, can I just say this lesson is entitled Smitten Shepherds and Fire, or actually it's in the singular, one shepherd, one Lord. So the narrative goes from bad to worse. Here you have, and I better read it again here, verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. And against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. So the sword is told to awake, 
against the shepherd and the man that is his fellow, says the Lord. Not only is Messiah pierced in his hands in the house of friends, but now the good shepherd of John 10 is smitten, and the sheep scatter. The little ones will also be a prey in this very, very painful time of history, which was, of course, for our salvation. This is exactly what happened at the Garden of Gethsemane 500 years later. It's an example, if any more were needed, that the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper, but both the suffering of the righteous and the prosperity of the wicked are temporary. The suffering of the righteous can be redemptive, indeed it always is. It brings good out of that which is evil. The prosperity of the righteous is going to happen after they suffer, because before honor is humility. And suffering does bring humility, not necessarily humiliation, but humility. The prosperity of the wicked is temporary. It's pretty much like fattening up the livestock before the kill. So what we now see is Gethsemane comes to pass. Remember that when Jesus foretold his betrayal, Peter, the spokesman, said, well, look, everyone else may deny you. I won't. And Jesus says, well, you are going to deny me three times before it's all over. Peter can't even believe this would happen, but indeed it did. The other apostles, or at this point, disciples, said pretty much the same thing. Look, we're willing to go with you, follow you, even die for you. But what is interesting, at Gethsemane, after the arrest of Jesus, it tells us very clearly all his disciples forsook him and fled. All of them, including Peter, including John, the beloved disciple, they all forsook him and fled. Well, John made a comeback because he shows up at Caiaphas's house. Peter does too. They actually want to see from afar what's happening to Jesus. And in John's case, he was actually there at the cross, witnessing the crucifixion. Verse 8 of Zechariah 13, after the shepherd is smitten, so is the land. Two-thirds will be cut off and die and the other third will remain. Now, Zechariah 13, 8. Let me read this verse to you. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. So what we see is a verse that often is interpreted that two-thirds of the Israelites in the land, or the people of Judah, will die, and one-third survive. But I want to tell you, Let's be very, very careful with such an interpretation. It seems to be apparent that's what it's saying, but I've heard, and I cannot recite what they've said from memory, but I have read some heartfelt commentaries coming from messianics in Israel saying we need to have a fresh look at this, and they made some interesting explanations. So what can I say? We wait on the Lord to make sure we understand this fully. It is possible that two-thirds of those in Judah and Jerusalem, or especially in Jerusalem, died when the Romans destroyed the city in A.D. 70. What we can say is that both the shepherd and the land are smitten, and therefore the nation will suffer. But to say two-thirds will die in the future and one-third remain, well, let's wait on God, and you can, I say that let's have, uh, let's have a lot of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. Finally, verse 9 of Zechariah 13. 
It tells us of the golden third. One third will pass through the fire and be refined as silver and gold. And this reminds me of a story that happened in the American state of California, which is where I was born, by the way, speaks of an electrical fire that burned a house down to the ground. And the only thing that survived were a few, shall we say, porcelain figurines. When asked why these objects survived when everything else did not, the reply was stunningly simple. These porcelain figurines have been through the fire once before. Because they had been through the fire once before, they could survive the subsequent fire. Better, friends, the fire of the Holy Spirit and going through that than the fire of hell. Those who are the remnant and call on God's name, he will hear them. He will declare them as his people and they will respond in kind. Now, our lesson is entitled Smitten Shepherds and Fire. And our lesson for life is May the only fire you and I experience be that of revival and the power of the Holy Spirit, because those who stay in that experience will never be afflicted by the lake of fire. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage at tantan.org.au to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, preparing you to be future-ready with articles from the Bible, Victorious Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us about the wounded hands, the smitten shepherd, and the fire. These are not feel-good topics, but they have to do with life-giving, light-shining, eternal Bible prophecy, and that it builds up and comforts the church. Father, Jesus went through this affliction so that we could be set free. We praise and magnify His name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.